Punk Rock HR is proudly underwritten by The Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is a B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head on over to thestarconspiracy.com. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome back to Punk Rock HR. My guest today is Christy McCann Flynn. She's the CEO and co-founder of GoCoach. GoCoach is a talent development platform and it meets employees and workers right where they are right now with personalized coaching and blended learning. And the goal is to upskill anyone. Now, I know that sounds like a lot of buzzwords, but you're going to love Christy because she is the opposite of buzzwords. She's a former human resources leader who tells it like it is. And in this conversation, you're going to hear her career journey, the exact moment she decided enough is enough in human resources, and why she felt compelled to go on an entrepreneurial journey to fix work at a higher level. I know you're going to love this conversation with Christy McCann Flynn. I feel like she is my soul sister. And so sit back and enjoy this episode of Punk Rock HR. Hey, Christy, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, Christy, it's a tradition on Punk Rock HR to have the guests tell us who they are and what they're all about. So are you up for the challenge? Yeah, absolutely. So just a, a little bit about me. I'm a former HR executive for over 20 years. I worked in a lot of big companies, small companies, middle companies, and I basically had this um I guess, good midlife crisis. And then basically created my own company. Never thought I'd be an entrepreneur, but I was really frustrated by the way that we were treating people and continuing to throw people out and not providing them the skills that they needed to you know, do better in their job. So about three years ago, I took my husband over to Central Park and told him that I was draining the uh, retirement funds and I'm going to create an education company to help people with skilling. And that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Well, there's so much to unpack there. So first and foremost, you were working in the world of human resources. Sources. Tell us what that was like. I went into HR. I fell backwards into it. I was actually supposed to go on to medical school as part of this program between St. Joseph's University and Thomas Jefferson. And I had a friend pass away. And then it kind of was like eye opening to me that if I couldn't fix it, I didn't want anything to do with it. So seeing that that was going to be near impossible in the medical field, I just started working at what was SBC that was acquired by Comcast. And I ended up in the human resource department and I was still in school, I think maybe like my junior or senior year, because that's when I decided I wasn't going to go with Thomas Jefferson. And I thought it was awesome because you were going through a major acquisition, you know what I mean, with Comcast coming in. You saw that the company grow and pivot and, and go in different ways. And, you know, I'm all new to this, like, you you know what I mean? Just some college kid not really understanding how I'm supposed to apply college to the workforce. Never mind what I'm doing. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Comcast, uh, working part-time. And I just kind of continued to push into it and, you know, worked at a lot of different companies. And I want to say my first 10 years was really, truly inspiring. I think it's because I worked with really great leaders. I work with great managers who continue to build and invest in me. Companies like Fidelity and Pearson Education, they put so much investment behind me that they helped me successful. And I really valued it. So Christy, 
Kathy, you started out by saying that you worked in human resources. Tell us what that was like. What was that all about? I want to say my first 10 years were amazing. I worked with phenomenal leaders for really good companies that put a lot of investment in me and my potential. And so I learned a lot from the best. And not only did it give me confidence, but it gave me the ability to do a lot of different things that I wouldn't have felt comfortable doing. You don't know what you don't know. And you know, when you have companies investing in you that care about you, it makes it that much easier. Well, it's interesting how you break down your career by the first 10 years, because I think a lot of us have a good first 10 years in human resources, and then the rails go off. <laughs> so what was your experience? Yeah, the rails, the sanity, everything went off. So it was going into year 11. It was right after the housing crash that like, you know, what I mean, things really start to change and companies start to change and like this like stupid tech bro mentality really started to like penetrate everywhere. And I, and I was just like, what is this? Like, you know what I mean? And not only that, like, I felt like I was like, having conversations with what were supposed to be executive leaders on basic common sense that were somehow pointing the finger at me that, no, it's you, you're the problem. And I'm like, oh, okay, so it's totally normal that a CEO jumps on top of his desk and raps a song about girls' underwear. That's totally normal, right? Yeah, I think that's like a normal Tuesday. Yeah, definitely. normal yeah. Tuesday. And I went nuts. I just couldn't believe it because like these are basic human values. And I continue to see companies and leaders and managers just think that they can do anything and get away with everything. I mean, everybody talks about like, you know, Travis Kalanick and, you know, now the better.com guy. There's tons and tons of those individuals out there. Wait, we let them, we in human resources or we in society? Society. Like, you know, I mean, the, the, the good HR people are always the ones that got fired. I got fired twice just trying to protect basic human rights. Like, you know what I mean? And so don't get an HR if you're not willing to take some risk and stand up <laughs> for the right thing. But no, it just, uh, it was, we allowed it and, and we became complacent and we became complicit. And I just thought my job was absolutely worthless. I thought what I was doing was worthless. And, you know, I needed to fix this at a much higher level. And I built the company because I never envisioned myself being an entrepreneur at all. I mean, I still laugh at the fact that like I, I'm doing this, like I'm happy I'm doing it. We're helping a lot of people, but this was not something I envisioned, but I couldn't take it anymore. And I had to bring worth back to me and the values and bring that investment of education that I just grew up with and was the heartbeat of everything that I've yeah, have become, you know, I mean, through the help of others. And so that's, you know, it was a good nervous breakdown, you know, what I mean, a midlife crisis, whatever you want to call it, but uh, enough was enough. And, you know, I built the company with the intention that give everybody the education, continuous education that they need to do really well in their job. And, you know, to educate the asshole out at the same time, because like, that's what happens when you're that complacent and complicit, people will continue to push those buttons and continue to go deeper and further. And then next thing you know, it's on the news. And it's like, how did we get here? Like, it's going on for years. <laughs> Well, that's really well said. And, you know, before we talk about the work that you're doing today, I'm just struck by how many really talented women, and I'm going to say women, although it's men, who worked in human resources throughout my career, who just said enough is enough and walked out. Like, you know, you're right. We need to fix things at a much higher level. But what does it say about where we are as a society that women are put into this position in human resources, but underfunded, undervalued, working at an intersection of toxicity, of a 
hypermasculinity, of homophobia. Like, what's wrong with work that really talented HR women have to leave? I think a lot of things are wrong. I could tell you like the episode that really set me off and the things that I thought about. So I like to run a lot and I was really stressed out on a, a trip that I had to make and, you know, went for a run and it ended up blowing my Achilles. And so for me not to be able to run and, you know, be in a cast for close to four months was uh, pretty painful, um, not only just on my mental health, but like just in general, I need to exercise and anxiety out. And I was working in a, a pretty tough position. And so the individual that I was working for, who I disputed working for to begin with, so I didn't want to work with this individual. They're like, no, we're promoting you. You're going to be the head of HR for this brand new division. It's like, the guy's an asshole. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, I'm not working with him. But he stared at my chest the entire time during the interview. Like, that's not normal. So long story short, I, I blew my Achilles and, you know, he was being nice and wanted to take me out to lunch. And that's, uh, I'd been sexually harassed before. But this was the one that really got me the most because it, I hate to say it, like it wasn't even sexual harassment. He was just doing these things to dominate me. And not only that, like when he was putting his hand in between my legs, I like in my mind, I'm like, I have one leg. Like, are you serious right now? Like you, you're sexually harassing me with one leg? Like, really? And I remember looking at the crutch and I just wanted to take the crutch and I'm like, just wailing with it. But I kept on thinking in my head, if I do that, then I'm going to be on the news and I'm going to be the crazy HR person. And I can't do that. And so I was able, like, you know, I mean, to take a step back, but that also helped start the path for what I needed to do to create a company that helps people, you know, especially with skilling. And should I have had to do that? No. Did I really respect and love that company up until that promotion working with that individual? Yes. But I firmly believe that, and maybe it's just, you know, the way I grew up that like things are always going to be tougher for us, but at the same time, they're going to be more rewarding because if that hadn't happened, I probably might still be in HR and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now, which is unlocking my potential too. So I firmly believe in the silver linings and you just got to take them for what they give you and always try to be able to find a positive. And the good news is, is that I'm not on Rikers. You know I mean? I would have been on Rikers Island after like, you know, knocking them out with the, my crutch and I started my own company. So. <laughs> well, I love it that you're unlocking your own potential as an entrepreneur. And you've said repeatedly that your path was not entrepreneurship, but you know how many of us really know our paths, right? I mean, we're mostly clueless and we learn a little bit here, learn a little bit there through continuous learning. And suddenly we're on a career path that is both surprising and rewarding. So I love that you're living your values. Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing and where you went with all of that crazy energy with that HR career. Yeah, no, it was, uh, well, I was trying to think of a great way to be able to apply my 20 years in HR, right? And I went back to the managers and the leaders that I work for and like, you know, what they ignited in me. And I wanted to be that. And I knew that I could do that by, you know, helping people. So like in HR, the big things that I always worked on was learning and development, change management, you know, digital transformations, whatnot, uh, any type of M&A, that that was kind of like my wheelhouse. And so, especially within the L&D, I took this company, I want to say halfway through my career that that was really going down the tubes with like performance and retention and culture. And I built like, you know, I mean, that these organic like coaching and training programs and it really helped accelerate the company. And I remembered every single day how I felt doing that and like how rewarding it was. And so I'm like, you know, I could do this like, you know, at a much higher level, like how can I create a platform that's easy to use? You know what I mean? That the buyers get everything they need out of it, that the learners get everything they need out of it and 
they actually use it and apply it to work. So that's essentially what I did with Go Coach was, you know, just make ongoing skill development accessible and affordable for everybody. And so we work with companies essentially to provide upskilling for employees where we meet them where they're at. We understand going in, you know, what are some of the areas of development, the gap areas, the unknowns, and we take that data and it begins to match them with coaches and with content to really have this personalized plan for self-development and then get to the change behaviors that they're looking for, which is outcomes, you know what I mean? That they're, you know, doing this in the workforce. And so that was, you know, me bringing this at scale and making it super easy because I remember in HR, like, you know, when I was putting together these programs and I was creating this content and I was bringing in these coaches, like it was a lot of work. So like, how can we, yeah, like, how can I streamline this, make it easy, you know what I mean, for people out there and most importantly, make sure people are using it because traditional LMD platforms, you end up buying it, but nobody uses it. That's how they make money is by people not using the platform. Wouldn't it be an amazing concept that I made money off of people actually learning and using my platform? And so <laughs> so that's the way that we look at it. Well, I love it. It's a different take on the world of L&D. I wonder how COVID has really impacted your organization, your growth, and your delivery to your customers. I mean, you are a platform, so in some ways you're on top of technology, but I would imagine that the learner is changing in real time. So that's got to propose some challenges for you, I would imagine. I would say, I wouldn't call it challenges, it's opportunities, right? Because you don't know what you don't know. And everything has changed. And guess what? We as human beings are absolutely terrible at change. It was evident way before COVID, but we were able to get away with it. And so I think, you know, because the platform is agnostic and because it meets people where they're at and understanding where those gaps and opportunities are, because like nine out of 10 times, people don't know where to start. You say learning and development and they're just like, yeah, I definitely need some, but I have no idea where to start. Like, you know what I mean? And so we make it easy as they're navigating, you know, they're learning that they can navigate different things based on the data that they should be like, you know, tuning into, whether it be change management or communication or collaboration or servant leadership and empathy. And so we make it self-guided. You know, there is an AI component, but like, that's not the secret sauce. The secret sauce is, is that we're building that self-guided journey with people, with them opting in and with understanding those data patterns and so that they know where to start. And then they actually do start because like, that's why people don't use these learning development platforms. They're told, you know, you know, need some communication help. Right. But then they go like, you know, to like a master class or even LinkedIn learning and oh, what, you, you look at a 40-minute video about communication? Well, that's not going to do anything. Like, you know what I mean? It, it's about like where that personalized starting point is. That's a broad subject. What exactly are the communication breakdowns? What is happening? What are some of the issues? And it's really being able to dive in and not just check a box. Well, I wonder how Go Coach can really offer that kind of personalization at scale. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, do you work through account managers? Do you have really smart questionnaires when you get started? Like, what's the way someone onboards onto Go Coach to ensure that they've got a high rate of utilization? That's a great question. And our high rate of utilization on the platform is 100%. Everybody that comes on ends up going through it. And not only that, they continue to come back. And in three and a half years, we haven't lost a client either. We continue to expand. And so it all starts with data. Data is a path for everything. So every coachee that comes on board, they really start to go through an assessment. And that assessment understands, you know, is asking questions based on some of the areas of opportunity, some of their gaps. It's getting into, you know what I mean, just their overall health and wellness. It's getting into where they feel their stuff, their stress, et cetera. And those data outputs starts to make recommendations for coaches and content as to have a starting point. And based on that, then they're able to opt in and be like, yeah, this is applicable to me. This is, you know, relative, you know what I mean, to what I 
was looking for. And then they start to build that that journey with the coach and really identify goals as to where to start and where to, to go through. We have data assessments that are continuing to go throughout the entire engagement where we're getting feedback from the coach, the coachee, the manager, and the stakeholder. So we're getting qualitative and quantitative data that's really showing the progression or lack thereof progression and where people needing to pivot and turn in different ways. And then it's, we're getting to like applying it, like at those change behavior outputs, which I think is really cool because like, you know, even just like, you know, as a former L&D practitioner in HR, like in my mind, I'm like, if they use one nugget that that's mission accomplished, right? Which is the bar is so low. It's just ridiculous. It is, wait, it is so low. And you also have to go, okay, before you leave, before we wrap up, these are the three things you have to do on Monday, right? I mean, you really have to drill into someone's head. So I like that you're using data to try to outsmart the learner and figure out how they're best going to learn and interpret this course in their own lives. Yeah, no, because it's all about reinforcement, right? I mean, I have like lots of different certifications and one is the ProSide change management. The most important thing that I learned from ProSide is that like it takes people five to seven times just to hear something, right? Never mind actually act on it. And like my ongoing joke was for CEOs, it takes them 15 to 20 times to hear something, never mind, you know, act on it. So if that's true, which it is, it's one of the reasons why we're terrible at change. That personalization of learning is really not just of learning, but the reinforcement and then the application. And that is much easier when you're able to do that data tracking from the beginning and really make a goal oriented. So there's skin in the game. It's not something that they have to do. It's something that they want to do because these are going to be the outputs and this is where they're going to be able to go. Well, you know, we've mentioned your journey as an entrepreneur and you've built this really impressive tech platform. You've built a company, an organization around it. How are you fundamentally changed in the past couple of years? I would imagine that the woman you were at the beginning of your HR career is different than the woman you are today. Yeah, I'm not nearly as angry. Like people will always ask me, it's like, you know, why did you build CoCoach? I'm like, well, I was angry. So I might as well funnel the anger through, you know, the positive potential outcomes for others. Wait, is that your why? Because you were angry? No, no, yeah, totally. (laughs) And when I say angry, like with the big A and a big Y, I was just done. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it was we because we just threw out so many people and then we say oh but we have a war on talent we have a skill shortage we you know great resignation yeah we caused this trillion dollar problem because we just continued to recycle and replace people instead of investing in them you know which could be a fraction of the cost and so i always love when people are just like yeah this, this is happening yeah we did this okay <laughs> and, and now we get the only way to undo this is through education and by investing in people and so you know i think where i changed is that i was able to get out a lot of the anger, especially what was broken and start to fix it, right? Because it's one thing to be angry and then talk about it. And it's another thing to be angry and do something about it. I think that I've changed it in a lot of ways where I got to learn more about myself and my own gaps and, you know, areas for opportunity for me and then areas that are just absolutely terrible at, you know, who I am as a leader, how I'm evolving, you know, plus like I've stretched myself for the first time. I mean, like, you know, I was in HR for 20 years. I was pretty good at what I did. And it was also very boring right? Because I did become a master. And so like, I'm stretching myself in different ways. I never thought I was a good writer. Apparently I'm a decent writer. Never thought I'd be doing sales and marketing. Apparently I'm pretty good at both of those. Like, you know what I mean? Because we've been a scrappy bootstrap company for the last three and a half years. We just got a bunch of investment money. But I mean, me and my co-founder pretty much, you know, built the product, you know what I mean? Wrote all the content, you know what I mean? Did the data assessments, like, you know what I mean? And, and so that's been good. I never knew I had that in me. So if anything, it was a good midlife crisis. I got something out of it too. I'm learning. 
Well, it's really interesting that you brought your husband to Central Park and told him that you were going to drain the retirement funds. I think one of the conversations that I have repeatedly in midlife is with women and men who would love to do something, but their partner is risk averse or their partner is hesitant. So what was that like in your family? And I don't know, how'd you bring your husband along? Yeah, well, I also brought a big bottle of booze with me on the Central Park, you know, figure I'd get a couple of drinks in before I lay it out there. But he knew it was coming. You know, he just wanted me to be happy. And, you know, I was the breadwinner in the family. And so like, you know, he knew what that money meant to me. It wasn't just about retirement. It's about really unlocking the potential of us. Like if you're going to bet on anyone, I'd rather bet on me than continue to shove money into, you know, I mean, a 401k and, you know, I'm going to by the time I retire at the age of 65, like, you know, the life, the world would have passed me. Like, it didn't make sense. And then it was about betting on me. And, you know, the question is, do you, do you believe that I can do it? And he did. And, you know, I think that we wanted to see me happy. I hadn't been happy in a long time. And if anyone's going to put our money to work, it's going to be us. Because, like, if we win, great. If we don't, then it's on us, right? There's no one else to blame. And so it really helps drive that accountability. So my husband's the same. I mean, he makes me a better person to begin with. And so he's been not only fully supportive along the way, but he's been a really good balance and guiding light for me, like, you know, I mean, for days that, you know, are just terrible. Yes, it's awesome having your own company, but like, you know, when COVID first hit, you know, in 2020 and all these deals that we had out weren't signing, I'm like, oh my God. Like, uh, and then I, you know, made decisions where we didn't sell for six months because there was no way I was going to sell into HR where there were so many unknowns, like that's not the purpose. And so we gave it away for six months. And, you know, a lot of people scratch their head, like, you know, you're a bootstrap company, like you're giving a lot of stuff away. I was just like, I'm the former buyer. Like, I, I don't want to talk to me right now. Like, no, you know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's a real good understanding of the marketplace and understanding exactly what the sentiment was back in early 2020. I love that approach. Well, Christy, it was really awesome getting to hear your career journey, your career arc, how you bet on you and, you know, turn that into a winning bet and a winning hand. And if people want to learn more about you or Go Coach or how they can implement Go Coach in their organization, where could they go? What's the best way to find you? Yeah, I mean, so our website is gocoachgo.com. We're very active on LinkedIn. And so we always have lots of different things on there. We're not on Facebook or Twitter and Instagram. I'm not giving those jackasses money or using that. And so we, we, we're purely on LinkedIn. And, you know, the biggest thing is the look at it, especially if you're a buyer, is that it was built for you by you. We're really meeting the buyers and the learners where they're at and being able to serve both of those purposes, which a, a lot of products and platforms, I think, can't. It's hard for them to do. And we understand the buyer perspective and the learner perspective and how to bring them together. Amazing. And, you know, we have a lot of executives and human resources leaders who love to connect on LinkedIn. So do you accept LinkedIn invitations? Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. That's amazing. Well, we'll make sure to include all of that in the show notes. And Christy, it was really fun getting to learn a little bit about you. And thanks for being a guest. No, likewise. Thank you so much. And I'm thrilled to be here. And thank you again. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Punk Rock HR. We are proudly underwritten by the Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is the B2B marketing agency for innovative brands, creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head on over to thestarconspiracy.com. Punk Rock HR is produced and edited by RepCap with special help from Michael Thibodeau and Devin McGrath. For more information, show notes, links, and resources, head on over to punkrockhr.com. Now that's all for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR.